All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hi, everyone. Hi, ladies. Hello. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. How's everybody doing today? Great. I have delicious coffee in my cup. Don't yum, we yum. always? Most of the time. I'm doing well also. I also have some sort of a slight coffee concoction. Hey, slight coffee is good. Coffee, chocolate, raspberry cream, more raspberry. Well, I am Hannah Green. Mary Swartz. Lynn Samuels. Yay, thanks for joining us today, guys. We are thrilled and we to are have Charlie's you. Charlie's Angels. We are <laughs> Kelly's Angels. Charlie's Angels. Car right? Carly? Do you mean Charlie's? I said Charlie's. I then saying Charlie's Angel. What's the show? It was funny. You guys ruined it. We are we are thrilled to have you here, even if we cannot figure out who the hell we are. Yeah, we even if we're having an identity crisis, we're thrilled to have you here with us. Or if we're imposters of Charlie's Angels, because apparently we're not Charlie's or Carly's or Kelly's Angels. Did she just say four imposters? I don't know. No! You guys! I said, even if we are imposters? I think she said, even if we're four imposters, we have to stand for something. <laughs> we definitely have to stand for something. Well, since the fourth person in the room right now is Larry? We're Larry's angels! <gasps> we're Larry's angels! Okay. I'm pretty sure he just said, oh God, in his head really loud. <laughs> no, he said... There are no angels. <laughs> he also said, taking that Sasquatch license and I'm going hunting. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Wow. We are in the second week of the new year already. We are. Yes. January 9th. Happy Sunday, everybody. I don't know where... The time has got, you know, when we were kids, it always felt like time took forever. It's like the school year was so long and summer stretched on forever and was never going to end. And we loved it. And I swear to God, the older that we get, the faster time goes. I think a lot of old people say that. <laughs> Who did you say? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I don't know about you, but time drags on for me still. Did you just call me old? Nope. Didn't say that. No, you called yourself old by you doing that, Joanne. She said old people do I it. I said old people. You took it personally. Wow. All right. If the shoe fits, or in this case, if the orthopedic fits. Jesus. <laughs> if the walker fits. <gasps> wow. Damn. Johanna, all you have to do is point out that you're the youngest, and that shuts us up. <laughs> Youngest, shortest, cutest. <laughs> wow. Oh. Fancy fullest. All right. Imaginativist. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Ooh, I have a word of the day. <gasps> you do? Awesome. I do. I do. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, let's have it. It is 
It is. I think I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go with Groke. 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 Think, think the word croak, but put a G in there, just in case. Groke. G-R-O-A-K. O-A-K. Groke. 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 That is the sound that a bullfrog that lives under a great oak tree makes. Oh, so close. Why'd you go with oak tree? Because <laughs> groke. Great oak. Groke. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I got All it. All right. Okay. Um, so when a tree gets hiccups, it grokes. Oh, I got it. I got it. I, 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 I realized what it is. When you okay. get When you get really old and crotchety... Instead of like groaning, it. you groke. And you would know that. Why? How? Is this personal experience? Because I've traveled with you. <laughs> what does groke wow. mean, Lynn? Before Lynn and Johan and I get a fist fight. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm way too before he, before Mary stabs me in the throat with her pen. I don't think the listeners want me to give the real, but I think they want you to, to continue this discussion. It's only it's only good when there's video, and we don't have any video. Oh, man. All right, go ahead, Lynn. To stare at people who are eating in hopes that they will share with you. Oh, like a child? Like a dog? Like Johanna? <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, not. Like, no, I Larry's don't grow. Larry's never eaten something that you're like, that's the last slice of chocolate cake, and I really wanted it. And then you stare at them, and then you're like, if he looks, maybe he'll, you know, feel bad. Or in a restaurant when the table next to you has something really good, and you just kind of give them that look, hoping that they'll be like, oh, hey, would you like to taste? No, I've really never done that on public. Honestly. It works all the time. You've got to try it, Mary. Okay. Seriously, almost every time I go out to eat, okay, I grok. And, okay. and people always are like, did you want to try this? You're like a professional groker. Yes, I'm a professional groker. I'm a little ashamed of you. <laughs> wow. Mary, you should only be ashamed if I wasn't successful at it. You should be proud of my success, not right. ashamed. You're That's right. like my family. My family... You know what? They've never been proud of my successes ever. And that just shows right there. Well, maybe, Lynn, maybe we are not proud of what you consider to be successes because we view them as the actions of a snack draw. Oh, a snack draw. Ooh, the actions of a snack draw. Are you calling our sister a snack draw? I'm saying perhaps her actions are viewed as the actions of a snack draw. Ooh. A failure. That's a failure. She's ca- she called me a failure. I did not. A snack draw. I got nothing. It's what a giraffe does when he uh, is given an art set. <laughs> Good job. Okay. What's a snectra? A snectra is a sly and conniving person. <gasps> Ooh. Ow. Ooh. All and, right. Any of our listeners want to adopt a <clears throat> slightly older person? <laughs> Still got lots of miles left on her. 
as well, sometimes interestingly. Uh, does math well. Yeah, she's available for adoption. She needs a new family. Uh, <laughs> I know somebody. All right. How about axiomancy? Oh, I actually have word, heard of this word, but off the top of my head, it brings nothing to mind. Oh. Axiomancy. Well, Axio. 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 Well, in Harry Potter, what does Axio mean? There's a spell in Harry Potter that's Axio. What is it? How would she know? Well, does she look I, like a uh, muggle or something? Uh, if she was a no, muggle, she muggle certainly wouldn't know. wouldn't know. Clearly, you are a muggle, or you'd know that. <laughs> I don't read Harry Potter. You are so a muggle. I think it might be the act of, like, <coughs> spinning. Spinning? Spinning or turning or something. Mansi, though, is, um, like, the, the art of studying something. No, because necromancy isn't studying. Using? Right? It's raising, necromancers raise the dead, so ne- necromancy is the act of raising the dead. Yeah. And scatomancy is the art of telling the future through poo. <coughs> so, yeah, so, so mancy is the act of doing something. Okay, Axial okay. reminds me of, like, the middle or mm. turning, like axles turn or something. Like axiom. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with mine. You think it's spinning? I think it's the act of returning something, giving something back. Okay. Your like, guys are so like close. Poo? Like the monkeys when they fling their poo? They're not giving it back. They're giving it to you. You fling it back. All right. <laughs> Axiomancy is the, uh, the practice of seeking knowledge of the future. By means of the movements of an axe placed <laughs> on a post. Oh my god. The axe spins, right? So in old times, like in ancient times, they would put an axe on a post and they would read a list of names aloud. If the axe moved at a particular name, that person was deemed to be guilty. Wow, that's how we tell the guilt. I'm thinking maybe our... English courts should try something new. Dang. Yeah. I think they should bring that back. They might have a better chance of getting it right sometimes. They might. They All might. Right. All right. At least everybody would have an equal chance, not based on, you know, All right. poverty level, skin color. All right. So hair. we're going to go to Minnesota. We are because we all like to thrift. And if we were in Minnesota, we'd go to a Minnesota thrift store. Of course we will. So that's where we're going to start. I hope we find something good at the thrift store. I hope we find something really good at the thrift store. We usually do. A family history book, which was found by the owners of a Minnesota thrift store, was returned to the family thanks to the detective work of a stranger. Of course, social media. So Kim Ferkus said she and her husband Dana were going through boxes of merchandise to put up on their store. They own Castoff's secondhand store. Uh, they found a homemade tome that was labeled the Nelson family tree. So Kim says we buy estates. We we buy the entire estate. We put it in storage until we can get around to going through it. So that particular weekend, Dana was bringing in product in tubs and stuff for her to go through and mark. She was going through a tub and she came across the book labeled the Nelson family tree. The book chronicled the history of the Nelson family from 1859 when an ancestor 
by the name of Thor, immigrated to the United States from Norway. The book went all the way up until 1990, when the book was assembled by J. Eric Nelson of Altamonte Springs, Florida. So obviously they're not going to put it out for sale because, A, who's going to buy a history book? So they put it on their Facebook page and basically said if someone wants it, they can come get it. So the Facebook post came to the attention of a woman named Sandra McMillan, who, whose a sleuthing skills once helped reunite an old German Bible with the family who had previously owned it. McMillan says she's really big into genealogy. She knows the importance of old family records. So if she comes across photos, Bibles, whatever, she goes to Ancestry, she plugs in names, she looks them up, and then she starts sleuthing and researching. So McMillan said she used Ancestry.com to look up the family members in the book, and she was soon able to identify Dylan Nelson of Laguna Niguel, California, as the great, 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 great grandson of one of the family members who was mentioned in the book. So she sent him a message, and she said she wasn't sure if he was going to respond because, you know, messages like that sound weird. They kind of sound like scams. She asked for his email address, and she offered to send pictures. And Nelson said, yeah, he was a little skeptical. He did think it was a scam because people simply aren't that nice. Uh, so McMillan offered to ship it out. And Nelson said he took a risk. She sent me photos, so he knew it was legitimate. The photos that she sent to him confirmed that it was an artifact belonging to his family. He said he is planning to update the book, and he is going to put all of the information online for the entire family to enjoy. Um, so Nelson is grateful to the owners of the thrift store who didn't throw it away or sell it. He is also grateful to McMillan for returning the book to the family. That's very cool. He said, it all goes back to a secondhand store that instead of throwing it away, made a post about it. And it's crazy how we can go across the country and connect with someone. Aw. Yeah. Cool. And we've, we've done other stories about thrift stores and they're kind of cool. Yeah. A lot of times they are really, really cool stories. Yeah. I think, again, it's another person doing something nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just not enough of that these days. Yeah, there's just not enough. Very cool. Yep. So, another tidbit, we're going to go to Hong Kong. Hong Kong? Hong Kong. I don't think we've ever been there. Okay. A pair of young sisters from Hong Kong earned the, earned the Guinness World Record when they amassed a collection of 3,388 lip balms. Oh, my gosh. Lip balms. Scarlett Ashley Chang, who's only six, told Guinness World Records she and her sister Kaylin who's only eight, started collecting lip balms when the younger sister was just a toddler. It all started with having dry lips when she was little, Scarlett said. But when her parents and her grandma put lip balms, they were just plain. They didn't have any flavor. So she wanted to try something different. So they started collecting them. They started collecting different flavors. The sister's collection of lip balm now includes varieties of lip balm from around the world. Over the last few years, collecting lip balms has become one of her hobbies because of the way they look, they taste, and they feel. The sisters have also started making their own lip balms at home and give them out as gifts to friends and family. I feel like I may have lost that many lip balms in my <laughs> lifetime. I know. I saw pictures. It is crazy. And as a parent, at what point do you go, this is a problem? 
what at what point do you do you cross the line from this is a problem to okay this is kind of awesome I don't, I know, don't know if I would cross that line into this either, is awesome me either I can't well, imagine how much room it takes up. a lot no 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 wait they're tiny those things are think of just like a drawer you could put them all in a drawer no no they're, you could not they're out on display there's and, almost 3,400 of them. collecting. But I order lip balm for the store. Yeah. And when it comes, I know how big a 24-pack of lip balms is. It's a lot bigger than you think it's going to be. No, Hannah, I know because, well, they give free lip balm out at most of the, the races and the pre-race things with their names on them, the companies. Oh, yeah. And so I always grab them. And at one point, I had about 50 lip bulbs. And they're in a little, they're not that big. They're in a little container in a drawer. And I've got 50 of them. All right. That's when I realized that they actually do uh, stop working after a few years. Like, they dry out. And you can't really use them anymore. So I stopped just taking every lip balm that I came across. So you take your 50 lip balms in a drawer. Now you need 68 drawers to put all of those lip balms in. What? How many did you say they had? 3,000. More than 3,000. Sorry, I got stuck on the 300. 3,368. Yeah, I, I just stopped at the 368. I forgot about the 3,000. <laughs> so I'm just saying 300. I'm like, you guys, I, I, I That's not that many. I have more than that. Yeah. It's a drawer full. It's okay, awesome. Yeah, no, the 3,000 makes it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Sorry. My yeah. bad. It's all I right. I don't know where my mind went on that. Yeah, it's all right. Not a problem. <laughs> yes, that is a lot of lip balm, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, and they're six and eight years old. That's a lot of lip balm for being so young. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't know you were waiting on me. No, can we just want to make sure everybody's ready? I am ready. Okay. So, Um, hold on. So, the the chapstick. So, out of curiosity, I I did a little research. Okay. An average tube of chapstick uh, weighs four grams. Okay. So, I, I did the math and I converted it. 3,368 chapsticks weighs more than 29 and a half pounds. <laughs> That's, is that including the tubes? The weight I of don't, the tube? I don't know. I would say probably not. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of chapstick. Yeah. All right. Um, I have a story for us. Okay, we like stories. Now, I'm just going to tell you that I contemplated which of our two podcasts to put this story on because it really, it applies to both. Okay. But I thought it'd be fun to do here. All right. A little different than what we normally do on this podcast. Within the city limits of Mexico City, there's an area that was developed more than 2,000 years ago. It's actually developed between... 1300 and 1521 BC. So I guess technically it's like more than 3,000 years ago. Yeah. The Aztec Empire built up that area into a series of canals and man made islands, which are known as, and I'm probably going to totally butcher this word, chanampas. Some of the canals and those islands still exist today. Now these are small, little, shallow islands. They were man made and they were. Formed intentionally with the purpose of growing crops on them. Okay? Yeah. 
just so you can kind of in your head maybe visualize what we're talking well, where about. Where are they at? I'm, I'm, I'm they're in the canals. So there's canals, and then in the canals, there are small little islands. How big are the canals? They're massive, canals? massive canals. Because I think of the canals here, which some of them I could almost jump across. So yeah, I no. Mean, I'm like, I don't understand. No, no. So, okay. All right. Now, this particular island that we're going to talk about has a truly eerie history. Historically, this area was filled with women and children who were fleeing an angry government and their conquistadors. And many of the ones who hid on this tiny little one-acre patch of land that we're going to talk about were actually found and killed. So it already kind of has, this little island has a dark history. Yeah. In the 1950s, this small island, which is known today as La Island de la Muniquias, was inhabited by a man named Julian Santana Barrera and his wife. He grew vegetables on this small little plot of land to sell in town to support them. One morning, however, Julian found the body of a young girl floating in the water not far from his front door. This wasn't in Japan? No. She was a local girl from Mexico City area who had gone swimming with another child. She had been caught up in the current flowing <clears throat> through the canal and unable to escape, the young girl had drowned. Oh. A few days later, after finding the body, Julian found a doll floating in the water near <gasps> where he had found the girl. And he pulled the doll out of the water and believed that it had probably belonged to the young girl. It wasn't long before things in Julian's life took a weird turn. He began to see ghosts on the island, and he'd never seen this before. And then all of his crops died. Get rid of the doll! Julian drastically changed. Get rid of the dead body, too. He became consumed with guilt that he had not been able to save this young girl. Misplaced or not, this was his guilt. And he began to think that the doll that he had found might be possessed with her spirit, angry, and seeking vengeance for her death. Right. So in an attempt to appease her spirit and to honor the young girl, he hung the doll up. And that is the beginning of this eerie tale that brings us here today. For close to 50 years, Julian devoted his life to appeasing the spirits and honoring the life of the dead girl. He continued to acquire dolls for the island. He thought that perhaps this would calm down the spirits that he believed were haunting the island. The dead girl, the women, the children. Julian began to scrounge dolls from the garbage in the nearby city when he would go into town to sell vegetables. He would fish them out of the water when he saw them in the water. And as word got out, friends and family members and even perfect strangers would gift him with dolls. Now, Julian took every single one of those dolls home with him back to that island, to that that little one-acre island. That'd be good. He hung them from trees, and he strung them up on clotheslines. Some of the dolls were dismembered, and the disinterred body parts were also hung up, or in some places, nailed up to buildings and trees and fences. More and more dolls in various states of condition appeared on the island. And this was all to keep the spirits happy. This is creepy as hell. In a strange twist, some might call it fate, in 2001, Julian was found dead in the water 
in the exact same spot where he had found the girl's body. Now, there were speculations that he had finally gone mad and committed suicide over the guilt that he had carried, unnecessarily in my opinion, for all those years. Another local rumor was that the spirit of the girl had finally gotten him, dragged him into the water, and drowned him as punishment for his inability to save her. The official cause of death was listed as a heart attack. Following Julian's death, there was actually some discussion in the area about Julian and his life's legacy, and people began to wonder if there had ever actually been a young girl, or if this had all been a figment of Julian's imagination, perhaps part of a mental breakdown. Right. Because no one could seem to find any official medical reports or even news reports about this young girl and her death. It just seemed to be local lore. Granted, it <coughs> happened in the early 50s. Records weren't necessarily, especially in Mexico, records and news weren't, weren't what they are now. So when Julian died, his brother Anastasio took over the care of the island. And then Anastasio passed away in 2019, and Julian's great-nephew took over as guardian of the dolls, as it has now been dubbed. Now, the nephew's name is Rogelio Sanchez Santana, and he does not live on the island. He instead lives on another nearby island with his wife, his family. It would be creepy as hell. He has stated that upon his death, he intends to leave the ownership of the island to the dead. The island is only accessible by boat. It is surrounded by water lilies. Now, on the island, there is still three small huts. It's kind of become a tourist destination now, so one of the huts houses a museum. Mm-hmm. One of the ho- huts houses a store. And then the, there's a, the third one seems to be like a three-room house. The island has more than a 1,000 dolls on it in various states of decay. Some of them are much newer because visitors to the island continue to bring dolls with them to appease the spirits. And as if a tiny island covered in decaying doll parts isn't creepy enough, visitors commonly report seeing spirits there. The dolls' arms and legs move, their eyes follow the visitors as they explore the island, and the dolls whisper to each other as people pass by. You think that Robert the doll has relatives there? I remember nights as a child staring in fear at a doll or a stuffed animal across the room in the dark of the night, sure that I had seen it move. So I don't know about you, but not adding this to my bucket list. Might be on your doll's bucket list, though. (laughs) Wow. There you go. The story of the Island of the Dolls. If you so desire and you travel to Mexico City, feel free to hop a boat and go visit. Wow. There are a lot of super, super creepy pictures online of this place. Video. Uh, I think that's one I'd rather just see other people's pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just watch your pictures. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was creepy as hell. Alrighty then. Thanks to everybody who stopped by and lent us their ear, spent a little time with us, and listened to our story today. Creepy yeah. as it was, if you're still here, thank you. If you left 15 minutes ago, I can understand. 
You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter. We are. What you got for us, Lynn? Uh, let's see. I promise someday you'll regret losing me. I will be back. Is that the doll speaking? Yes, that's a quote from a doll. <laughs> oh my god oh man if you have creepy stories like this let us know if you have been there and taken Ooh. pictures we would love to see them yeah and if you had a weird experience while you were there feel free to share it because we'd love to hear it oh if you have a doll collection of your own send us a picture that Ooh. way we know not to go to your house <laughs> <laughs> No doubt. That's funny. Yeah. Alrighty. Anything else, ladies? That's all I've got today. I'm good. All right. Till next week, guys. Have an awesome, awesome week. Bye. Bye. Bye.